Well, hello and welcome to the Run of the Mills podcast, episode 122. And we are shifting gears big time here. We are in Romans chapter 12. And a few years back, I was invited to speak at a conference called the Romans 12 2 conference. And um, so they asked me to speak about media and uh, social media in particular, uh, because Romans 12 2 talks about not being conformed to the world. And so I think I had 45 minutes or so to talk about Romans 12 2. Now, there's some great stuff in Romans 12, too, which says this. I will read it in case you don't have your Bible with you. It says this. This is the New King James Version. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I think the NIV says that you may know that good and uh, acceptable and perfect will of God. But I'd have to look at that to tell you. Uh, for sure, if that's what it's, uh, that's, I think, what I memorized it as um, years ago. I had an old falling apart NIV copy uh, before I converted over to the um, um, to the uh, New King James. Actually, I just looked over at it uh, and what it says, the, the NIV says, um, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I guess the version I memorized, who knows, maybe I just memorized it wrong or I mismemorized it, or I forgot what I misquoted it so many times. Um, who knows? But uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 um, are a couple of my most favoriteest verses in the whole Bible, and probably two that I've quoted to more of my youth group kids when I was a youth pastor than perhaps any other. Um, because as I read, the end of that verse 2 is talking about knowing the will of God, and I think that's something that most Christians well, you know what? I'm going to back up and say maybe not most Christians want to know that. And um, well, since we're telling stories today, uh, I was at a uh, at a, a different camp a different time, and I asked the kids in camp, "How many of you want to know God's will for your life?" And like three people's hands went up out of a group of I don't know twenty or so. And I thought, okay, they're just they're just not responding, you know, just teenagers being teenagers, not wanting to participate. Um, but it was later that, um, I don't remember if I taught the class a couple of times and asked the same question, but had the same response every time that really, um, through discussions with the students, I kind of realized that some of them didn't want to know God's will for their life because they were afraid of it. They were afraid that God was going to send them to some far off country to be a, a missionary and have to eat bugs and live in a mud tent and wear a loincloth, or they were going to be, have to be a preacher and stand up in front of a bunch of people and talk, which, you know, a lot of them probably would have rather gone and lived in the mud hut and wear, worn a loincloth than uh, standing in front of a group of people talking. But there's that great misunderstanding that like God's will is going to be something that uh, you don't want, you know, and uh, that's not the case at all that uh, when you discover what God's will and calling is for your life, it, you find it's what you're designed to do. Uh, it's what your talents and your giftingness goes into. Um, it's what your experience in life has prepared you for. And, you know, one of the neat things about talking with missionaries uh, when they're uh, not in the country where they're called to minister is they're almost always 
longing to get back to where they're trying to, or, you know, to their the place they're called to be. There's like this, uh, I I'm here to uh, to raise, you know, raise support, what yada yada. Anyway, uh, you'll find that they they want to do what they want to do and or what they're called to do. Uh, one time I had a bunch of middle schoolers and we were sitting around at camp again. Spent a lot of my time at camp. And I asked them, you know, if you could do anything for God, what would you do? And so they went around and they talked about what they would do if they could do anything for, for God. And I don't remember all the things that they said, but one kid said he wanted to, he would go to prisons and talk to, to prisoners. Uh, another one of the, one of the, I believe it was one of the leaders, uh, talked about doing ministry with people in hospice. And, you know, most of the kids didn't understand what that was, but we explained to them, you know, that's uh, those people that are, are, in the last stages, days of life when they're, they know they're dying. And, and so when they were, I, as they were sharing, I could see like the response that they were having to what other kids were saying. And, uh, and I didn't know if they were noticing. I, it's one of those things of being a public speaker, as long as I have been, I watch people as I'm talking and I watch people a lot of times when other people are talking. And so as those kids were responding, uh, you know, in nonverbal fashion to what these kids were sharing, it really occurred to me that some of them were really shocked by the things other kids said. And so when I was, when they were done, I said, okay, I have a question for you. And I, you know, I pointed at the kid that was wanting to work in prison. I said, how many of you want to do what he said? And like, people were like, no way, no way. And I, I you know, I said, you know, the girl that wanted to work for people in hospice said, how many of you would like to, to do that, to work, to minister to people in hospice and people like, you know, eyes getting big, like, no, no, no. And I, and I, I really, you know, was excited by it because I said, look, this is so cool because here's these things that, you know, that you have upon your heart, the things that you would want to do, these people that you have a burden for. And the rest of you are looking at that thing going, oh, I never, ah, oh, that's so, that's, I just would not want to do that. It just was, it's not something that, that I'm drawn to or, you know, whatever. Um, but that's kind of that weird viewpoint that so many people have that God must want them to do something that they hate rather than saying like, Hey, you know, what is that thing I really want to do for the Lord? What's that thing? I, I really feel like I have a giftedness to doing anyway. So the whole, the whole reason I bring that up was that so many people want to know about the will of God. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I go back to this verse a lot and, and it's, there's a lot of complexity within these two verses. And so when I went and I spoke at this Romans 12, two conference, uh, I had to start um, with the first four words of Romans chapter one, because I, or Romans chapter 12, verse, verse one, because I said, you know, he, he says verse two, Romans 12, two, which was what I was supposed to be talking about. That's what the whole conference was about. Starts off with, and it starts with, and so, um, that means it's tied to the previous verse, you know? And so I said to them, well, it starts with and, so we can't start with and, uh, we have to, we have to back up. And so let's read verse one. And he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, um, wait a minute. I, you know, I beseech you, therefore, um, therefore what? You know, because when we use that word, therefore, generally speaking, again, generally speaking in the Bible, you're going from a 
a theological or a doctrinal statement to a practical statement. And that's not always the case, of course, but oftentimes that's what you see. You see it saying, well, here's the information. Now, in light of that information, do this, you know, uh, I'm thirsty, therefore I will drink, you know, so there's, there's the factual statement and then there's the practical, you know, what you do in light of that fact. So it's not always the case, but generally speaking, that's one of those things you should look for. Um, when you catch your pastor or Bible teacher starting off um, their preaching with a verse that starts with therefore, you know, for me, it's just automatic. I go and I look at what came before, you know, okay, well, it says, therefore do this. Well, wait a minute. You left off the fact. It's like, drink water, drink water. Well, wait a minute. You didn't, therefore drink water, therefore drink water. Uh, oh, if you're thirsty, therefore drink water. You're dehydrated, therefore drink water. It's hot outside, therefore drink water. Um, if you just start off with therefore, therefore do something, especially if you start talking about the things the Bible asks us to do, sometimes without the doctrinal position or the doctrinal statement, the teaching that comes first, the therefore doesn't always make sense. And uh, a lot of times what happens is uh, preachers want to talk about the therefore. They want to tell people what to do, and people want to hear what to do. I don't know how many times I've talked to people over the years, and they would talk, talk about a situation that they were going on, and I would share some Bible teaching, and they would say, yeah, but what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Tell, tell me what to do. And um, I didn't always feel like that was my job to tell them what to do. So anyway, the long and the short of it was, I said, you guys, I can't start off. I can't start off with Romans chapter 12 because Romans chapter 12 starts with the word and. So we had to back up to verse one, but verse one starts with, therefore, um, I beseech you, therefore, I beg you, I plead with you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you, that you do, he tells them what to do, what he wants them to do, what they should do. Well, we can't start with the therefore. So, of course, then I had to take them back to the previous stuff in the book of Romans, which was quite challenging because as you know, we've spent 122 episodes getting to where we are and I had 45 minutes to get to the therefore because he's talking about in light of the mercies of God. Well, what are the mercies of God? Well, you've got to go back and you've got to understand the first at least eight chapters of the book of Romans to, to really get what he's saying here. In light of those things, this is what you do. So next time we'll talk about that we'll talk about that next time uh, and we'll have some fun hopefully uh, we'll uh, you know what who knows who knows how long we'll spend in romans chapter 12 1 and 2 we might be here until jesus comes back whether that be uh, tomorrow or 20 years from now because there is so much good stuff in these two verses so uh talk to you soon god bless you